0: It's your girl, Joy Melody, and we're here to help you start your Mondays off right. We're here to talk about a little education, a little mental health, and the music we use to cope in this crazy, crazy world. I hope you enjoy the show, and you're listening to Morning Joy. Can everyone hear me? Oh, awesome. I don't even think we need mics. Um, so... Good evening, and um, thank you so much for coming out to this event tonight. Um, I see a lot of familiar faces, and I see some people that I don't know, so I would like to introduce myself. My name is Joy Melody Woods. I am a master's student in the College of Education. Um, <laughs> I am studying the sociology of education. Um, tonight, I wanted to do this event to wrap up Women's History Month um, to highlight Dr. Melissa Shivers, because she's amazing. Um, <laughs> I have... Um, um... Last August, I started a podcast to highlight people of color in education, mental health, and we also talk about the music we use to cope in this crazy, crazy world. And so when I approached Dr. Shivers, well, that's actually not how it happened. Um, <laughs> um, as everyone knows, she's pretty active on Twitter. And I tweeted her, I'm just waiting for Dr. Shivers to come on my podcast. And she sent me back a funny gift from Life Size of Tyra Banks typing on the computer, telling me... <laughs> Telling me that she was just waiting for the invite. And within five minutes, of course, I sent her an email because that's how quick I was. And she said, okay, we'll do it next semester, meaning this semester. So in January, I approached her and I was like, okay, I have this crazy idea. I like to host an event so people can come and hear this talk and they can get to know you better. And instead of it just being recorded and I post it up online. And her being amazing, she accommodated even though her schedule was extremely packed. She said, Joy, March is busy, but I will find you some dates and she did and so without further ado i'd like to get this started i know everyone has busy a lot of things to do it's a busy time of the year and it's also raining so i want to get you guys out of here on time and if we have time after i ask my questions um there will be some time for um question and answer from the crowd so thank you so much Hello, everyone. We're good? Okay, Hello. Awesome. So, um, oh, Jesus, I it's falling. It. Thank Don't you. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so once again, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and coming here tonight to talk sure. to me. Um, so you are the B- VP of Student Life. Um, what exactly does that mean and when did you realize that you wanted to have a life in student affairs?
1: Mm, that's a really good question. Best question is what is student life <laughs> and what does a VP do for student life? Um, and it's, it's interesting. I've been sort of working in higher ed now for about 22 years and I wish I could tell you that it was an intentional, thoughtful path. It was not. Um, I, everything else about my life is pretty structured and organized, but my path to student affairs was absolutely not. Um, I was an undergraduate student at Georgia Southern University um, and loved my collegiate undergraduate experience. Um, it was fraught with a lot of challenges um, but it also helped to help me to define myself as a person but more importantly for me as a black woman um, during my undergraduate career. Um, through that time I had an opportunity to engage with a number of administrators also my peers on campus and then when I graduated I started to work in television for a little bit and then came back to my undergrad um, and started working as an admissions counselor and that was really my entree into, into student affairs and what I actually loved about student affairs was my opportunity to be able to impact change on the student experience because that's what helped to shape me as this first generation college student in order to be successful. So during many positions from 1997 all the way until today, I've worked in various functional areas within student affairs from diversity um, to the trio programs to the admissions office and then as a generalist and working with assessment, strategic planning accreditation, program reviews, the whole nine, and now serving as the vice president for student life. Um, I truly every day just think about it as a as a gift and I wake up every morning wondering how am I doing this? Am I doing this? What exactly am I doing? Right. But it's, it's amazing to me because I believe that my job is to help 34,000 students here at the University of Iowa um, identify who they are, to find passion, um, to find ways of being committed and engaged, but to also be involved in a place that helps them to think differently than when they arrived. I love for students to be uncomfortable. I really enjoy making people uncomfortable. (laughs) Not to the point where they don't feel like they can grow and learn but to the place where they are challenging themselves to think differently. To the point where they're like, I didn't know that I should even think this way or should consider thinking this way or now you've informed a belief that I didn't have and now I do. Watching that happen as the Vice President for Student Life probably brings me the most joy. Um, I get to work with amazing staff who wake up every day, I hope wake up every day excited about coming to work because of the opportunity that we have to really shape the student experience. And my job allows me the opportunity to be able to help provide vision, direction, but more importantly support in removing barriers so those staff and students can be successful.
0: Whew. That's, That's a lot. That's it. Yeah, I just, I don't even know where to go from there. I'm just trying to like... Getting it all in, in. Yeah, I know, it it's a lie. In. I think my head just exploded a little bit all day. <laughs> <laughs> But you said that um, you like making students uncomfortable. Can you elaborate on that? Like, what do you mean? Because, I mean, I'm a little uncomfortable right now in front of people, but not because you made me uncomfortable, (laughs) right? Sure.
1: Like, what do you... Yeah, that's good. (laughs) So
0: what do you mean by that? Yeah.
1: When students come in to visit with me, because many of you know that I have office hours, and so I invite students to come and visit. There's no agenda. I have no idea what they're wanting to come and talk about. But oftentimes during those sessions, they've wanted to talk to me a little bit about um, I want to change my major or I'm not sure about my roommate or I want to have a difficult conversation with my family and I don't know why or I don't know how. Mm. And my job, I believe, is to help them sort of trouble all of those things that they're having issue with and to help them know that you won't always have the perfect answer. Mm -hmm. You'll rarely ever be 100% right. right. But the goal is to at least step out there and try to have the conversation even when it makes you really uncomfortable. Because once you leave this this wonderful place that's really kind of organized and coordinated for you, you go out into the real world. And your supervisors or your faculty will always do things that challenge you. And I believe a part of my job is to help students to get ready for those challenging conversations.
0: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I got. All that. Yeah. Um, speaking of challenges, that kind of you didn't even know this. It kind of segue right into my next question. Um, you have almost been here for a year, so congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, what was? <laughs> Thank you. What was the biggest culture shock or surprise or challenge you had once you became or as you were getting acclimated to Iowa, if you are even
1: acclimated to
0: Iowa? We're almost through winter here, so I
1: don't know. That's the challenge. <laughs> um, <laughs> Though so I, I think I really underestimated the weather. And because I've always lived in the South. 44 years of my life I've lived in really one location and and so you come here and there's like legitimate winter yes and there's like for real snow not like dustings that we get in georgia and everything shuts down and right. that doesn't happen they are like oh no melissa you're you're responsible for the weather protocol but we don't cancel classes at iowa i'm like but there's like four inches of snow right. can people walk outside and they're like oh melissa yes and you will go to work and so it's that honestly was the biggest adjustment for me but people told me they said get the right gear get yes. the parka get your socks get your gloves I was not excited about the whole parka situation I'm not going to lie about that because they're long and there's nothing really cute about them and so um, I worried about how's that going to work but it's it's that has been probably the biggest adjustment in the dark days I wasn't prepared for the number of really dark, gloomy days. Mm. Um, that's real. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know. So I bought one of those little lamps. Um, it's still under my desk so it hasn't served its purpose yet. But I'm ready for next winter. Well, I didn't get it till the end, but I'm ready for next winter because I, dis- I, I didn't know there could be that many days straight of dark. Yeah. And that was difficult when you're still working and you look outside at Four and it's four thirty and it's dark. yes, um, that's been one of the biggest challenges. I
0: too am from the south. Um yes. and if it ices, which is basically our snow, <laughs> it shuts down. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved here, it was um, it was very I think culture shock is like an understatement. Um, and when yes. I was visiting during a summer before, I was interested in law school at first, and there's an assistant dean of admissions over there who looked at me and he was like, well, It's always a cool 65 degrees in a library, so I really don't know. It's not like you're going to be sitting outside. And I just was like, but I have to walk outside to get to the library. Uh, but it, it kind of like put it into perspective, like I'm not yeah. going to be living outside, so.
1: Yes. um
0: Yeah, I have great,
1: like I think I have a path from the IMU ramp uh-huh. into the IMU. Like my footsteps go the same direction every <laughs> single day, and it takes about two minutes for me to make it there into the go. building. So do sometimes put, I don't even wear a coat.
0: Do you put little warmers in your gloves, too? I have done that. Nice. When I went to
1: the pinstripe bowl.
0: Oh. I had those little here,
1: warmers yeah. in my, yeah, but it was cold. Pro tip,
0: buy all your winter gear during the off season
1: got it Check. and then
0: yonker is it yonkers our von mar has a shoe room that's where i got my snow boots on sale oh, yes they yes. do sell shoe room yes. i got my Sorel boots for 75 dollars but anyway mm-hmm. that's that was not that's the helpful no thank you that's very <laughs> Talk <helpful>. about um <laughs> so we're gonna <laughs> get it on deck um so, kind of to transition to something that was super light to a little bit more serious, sorry about that, guys. Um, so, in the entire state of Iowa, African Americans constitute for approximately 3.5% of the population. And at the university, approximately 3% of African American student, students are African American students. With people that look like you not only being the minority for the state, but the institution, did you anticipate facing any challenges due to this?
1: Yeah. That's a really good question. In in the university setting?
0: Or just in you can wherever you would like to take it.
1: Sure. Well, coming from the South, um, race, ethnicity are certainly things that we talk about and you know, and I can walk around the space and see a lot of other people that look like me. What I don't think I anticipated was being here and not seeing as many faces of, of color. Right. Um, and so that has taken me a bit... Of an adjustment. However, I've always worked at predominantly white institutions, so it's not a complete surprise. But I think, in terms of making the adjustment from living in the South, whether it's Tennessee or Georgia near Atlanta, that's just it's just a very different environment. Um, Chicago looks very much like Atlanta, right? So I've found my ability to be able to connect there, um, but that has been a bit of a shocker for me but I knew that when I came here to interview and um that didn't dissuade me well good. And no,
0: we're happy that that didn't yeah it
1: didn't and because I always believe that I have a purpose hmm. there's a purpose for me to be every place that I've ever been I felt very driven in purpose and coming to Iowa there's a purpose there's a reason and I've been able to connect with um, lots of faculty staff community members and incredible students um, that have helped me to feel like this is this is home even though I don't see everybody it looks like me every single day
0: that's really good yeah um, you said something about purpose which I think is really interesting um, how did you, throughout your tenure of even being a student, through your 22 years in career, how did you find your purpose and how did you not lose it?
1: Mm. So my mom, okay. right. Um, many of you have already heard this story so I won't go into it in great detail, but. I was raised by my mom. My mom, my sister and I were raised by my mom, single parent. And the one thing that she said to me is that you will leave Commerce, Georgia. You will not stay here forever. And if there's anything in the world that drives me that I think keeps me in alignment with my purpose, it's the everything that she gave up for me to be able to be sitting here in front of you. So whenever I start to get frustrated, and I do every day. Um, This is a really hard job in terms of the expectations and the time that one is committing. I remember why I'm doing this and it's because of everything that she gave up is why I'm able to sit here and so I wake up every morning with joy, no pun intended, in my heart for doing the work that I get to do and I do honestly see it as a gift. Um, There have been times I was a communication arts broadcast journalism major my goal was to work at ESPN and be a sportscaster and at that moment when I shifted into student affairs I wondered did I just waste four and a half years of my life because I'm not working in my field?
0: And little did you know you're getting interviewed. And, and little did I know it's I'm getting it's, interviewed. It's getting used. Um, but it's interesting being on this side of it. I'm used to being on that side. Well I can um, give you the questions and you can ask
1: me. you know. Yes, yeah, totally can. <laughs> um, but it's, it's really been interesting to to think about how I said okay there was a no <laughs> there but there was a yes here that'll preach and that I think keeps me focused and and motivated and I'll be honest I think looking at students and seeing students that that look like me or that see me as a role model or even students that say I can because I see that she did that's part of my purpose Mm -hmm. and if not for me Hmm. At least for them. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, that makes a lot of sense.
1: So it's, I, it's, it's interesting being in that place every day because you always feel like you're having to be the absolute best and 100% on. And there are days that are just hard, hmm. right? Like we come to work as humans. Right. We bring all of our human stuff to work. We don't get to leave it at the door. Hmm. And sometimes people don't understand that. And so they see a title... Right, but they don't see the person. And I try to bring humanity to every part of what I do because, as my mom would say, you will always be Melissa. I could care less about a doctor. I could care less <laughs> about a VP for student, whatever you are, Melissa. Actually, you're Missy because um, that was my nickname, and she still referred that referred to me in that way when I'm in trouble, <laughs> even at 44. Like I remember why I am. Hmm. And whose I am—that's me—and that keeps me keeps me focused.
0: You just decided to preach today. I did not know I was stepping into church. Um, You are
1: not in church, (laughs) but we can go there.
0: You touched on something about that. Some days it's hard, and like you can (laughs) get mad. And so one of. I'm just skipping around on my questions That's here. Okay. Um, which is perfect. You're mm-hmm. great at this. Um, that degree's really paying off. <laughs> Thank you. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm still paying for that degree. <laughs>
1: all right, I'm sorry, you no, all.
0: You know, we understand. Um,
1: I need a script, I really do. <laughs>
0: So I'm currently reading the book Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper Mm. and in this book the author talks about her anger as a black woman has become focused with precision but it hasn't always been. I know personally that I have not mastered eloquent rage because some days I'm thinking things I can't say right Um, so what are some ways that you have managed that anger that you just are like times you're upset whether it be due to something going wrong at work or when you were a student or during negotiating anything Um, and can anger or challenges be a good thing?
1: Mm. So I would say that I do not get it right every single day. One of my common practices when I go home is to look at myself in the mirror and reflect on the opportunities that I had to engage with people throughout the day. Um, what went well in those engagements, those connections? What didn't go so well? Did I feel somebody's cup or did I take away from mm. someone? And if I ever feel like I've taken away rather than filled up, I usually drop people a note and just say, I feel like I missed an opportunity with you today. I would love for us to reconnect. And a part of that is because I believe that we all have to give each other grace and patience and understanding that we're not going to always show up the best way in a meeting. There are times people will say, Melissa, I can see it all over your face. Absolutely. If I am frustrated or I don't understand sort of why a decision is being made or I'm curious about who's missing from around the table or I don't feel like we've been as passionate or as committed as we could be, I'm, I have a hard time masking that. And I work every day to try to manage those visible emotions but then I also think there are times when it's absolutely appropriate right. for people to know this was bothersome to me, or this was hurtful, or this was disappointing. Because denying it, you're denying it to someone else, but you're still harboring the frustration and the anger. And that's not okay to do for you. Right. Right? So I work hard every day to try to deal with that and go to bed with a clear mind. Doesn't always happen. But I work hard to try to do that. I read a lot. I don't know if you've ever read the book Present Over Perfect. Has anyone read that book? I I not only read it, but I also listen to it in my car on the way to work because it also helps to sort of center me and remind me that I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be. And I can't expect for other people to be perfect. And if I can operate in that place most days, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay.
0: I'm so struggling to get to understanding that I'm not going to be perfect. And, like, especially as a student, like, we're expected to be not perfect, but, I mean, like, we get graded, so, you know, it would be nice to be perfect, right? So, like, how do you, how did you get to that point of understanding that imperfections are okay and accepting
1: your imperfections? Mm, Brene Brown, The Gifts of Imperfection. Oh, okay. Well, um, I read a lot. <laughs> Um, I do. I love to read and I love to read things that um, build me up and give me permission to be human and to make mistakes. And if you've never read The Gifts of Imperfection and the talk around vulnerability, um, you should. Because I think sometimes as women in particular, we have a tendency to believe that we can't be vulnerable, that we can't show emotion because showing emotion is a sign of weakness or people won't take you as seriously. Yes, and. It's also important for you to be able to show who you are. And sometimes there's emotions attached Mm. to that. And that's okay. But it's a work every day. It's a work, it's a project every day. If I um, leave an email unattended to and somebody walks in the room and says, as Alex did, did you see your email? And I'm like, yes, I saw it and I owe you a response, right? Those used to be the things that would keep me up at night because I felt like I disappointed hmm. Alex, right? Because he sent me an email, he expected something in response, and I didn't give it to him. Is that a shortcoming on me? No. It's me being human and saying I've got 700 emails in my inbox and Alex is great and I enjoy him and I'm going to get to his email tomorrow. Right? Right? But I have to have that conversation with myself every day about lots of different things in order to be able to get up in the morning and keep going. It's not easy. It doesn't get easier. Oh, man, I thought I might get easier. No, it's not going to get
0: easier. I'm dang sorry. It, dang it. Er. Um, so you just, we were talking about perfection and things that don't get easy and anger. And so one of the central things of my podcast is mental health. Mm. And with that being said, have you ever been faced with depression, anxiety, etc., caused by your position or during your journey through your education or anything outside? And then how did you work through that? Mm. Um, especially in the black community, we don't talk about it. Yeah. And black women, are supposed to be strong black women, and that's exhausting.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I have shared with students and I've shared with colleagues is the importance of being able to identify someone that you can be your absolute real self with Mm. and sometimes it's better to be someone that doesn't know your story that doesn't um, love or care about you because sometimes when people love and care about you they don't want to tell you something that could be hurtful right Mm. they want to affirm you they don't want to break you down and so identifying someone who who really is quite objective and who's just here to listen to what you have to say I think is one of the healthiest things that a person can do and I know that I have had several instances sort of in my life that have been traumatic and without an opportunity to be able to talk to someone about those issues and concerns I don't know how I would have made it through those situations. My mom was diagnosed with cancer in 2009 and it was probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to face. Not as hard as what she was having to face, but as being the the daughter and the person who went to every single chemo appointment for 18 weeks and sitting in a chemo suite with your mom hoping that she'll win this battle, um, you're carrying that as the caretaker. And you don't really recognize how much that weighs on you until you're out of that experience. And I needed to have somebody that I could really just talk to about, wow, wow you know, she made it through, but what if she hadn't? And what sort of guilt did I carry for sort of not feeling like I did enough to keep her healthy and safe? Those are things that you have to be able to talk to about someone so that they can get you outside of your own head and can provide a perspective that you just, quite frankly, at that moment can't see. So I believe it's critically important and I highly recommend that people visit with if that's something that they know they need help to not be afraid to ask for help. Mental health issues are much like any other, alcoholism, other things. We don't deny people and say, don't get help. We say, go and get help. Mm-hmm. right but sometimes with mental health we have a tendency either through our own self-talk or the perspective that we think other people will have in terms mm-hmm. of judging that we say we can't do that so we suffer in silence and that's not what we should do either
0: no suffering in silence is what takes us out so um, yeah. And I'm a big proponent of utilizing the university counseling center.
1: And, Absolutely.
0: Um, and I personally started a blog talking about because I think if we don't talk about it, then everyone thinks they're by themselves. And yes. So I personally started talking about like what depression looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little embarrassed. I took a picture of my um, my desk area in my apartment. Is not clean and I realized that I didn't want to clean because I just was like so depressed and like so it like just it was a lot so I definitely have to say like talking to someone reaching out to someone is very critical yes um in this journey that we're on and speaking of talking and reaching out to people I find that when and I think you just hit something on the head of like finding someone who doesn't know your story um but what happens when they do and mm. what happens on this journey? Do you find that you've had to let some people go to make it where you are? Yes. So, and what was that like? Because <laughs> I'm sorry. She said, yes, absolutely. <laughs> they are not here. They've been gone. Um, a long time. A long time. Mm-hmm. Let that baggage go. Yes. Uh, but I make the... Um, <laughs> I Just brought com- back all
1: kind of things. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm back.
0: So sorry. Woo! All right, everybody
1: can't be with you, right? Okay. Everybody can't come with you. Okay. Yes. I'm I make sorry. the com-
0: <laughs> I make the
1: comparison of like
0: you see mount people who want to go climb these mountains that they only take what's necessary. Yes. And like I make the and I say like if if we've planned that we're going to the mountain and all of a sudden that you don't decide you decide that you don't want to go I'm not gonna not go. So I'm just gonna have to leave you at the base. And so that's where I'm at in my life. So like, how have you reckoned with that? Are you just like, okay, bye. Or you have to like have a conversation with yourself of, is this person, or is this thing important? How do I navigate? Can they come? What does that look like for you?
1: If they're important, why are they important? Ooh. Oh, that hit me in the... <laughs> I might need to, I might need that's the last question. Laptop. Are they important because they fill a space? Mm. And I appreciated the fact that we've been friends since 12th grade and mm-hmm. now that we've graduated from college and I graduated and you didn't mm-hmm. by whatever choice. I mean, life happens. And so people go in different directions. Right, right. Um, but what's the value added? And does this relationship bring positivity to me? Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time in relationship with people that just took away, chipped away all the time. I was a great giver, mm. right? Great at giving time and attention and all those things, but they didn't always give, back. give that back. And you don't do things because you expect for things to be done for you. That's right. not what I'm saying at all. But when I call Joy, and I'm having a really rough day, and Joy says to me, I got to call you back because how to get away with murder is on mm. and I sound distressed, you just made a choice, mm. right? And I I am very um, intentional about how I give in relationship and friendship with people. I'm going to show up. If you ask me, I'm going to do it. If I can't, I'm going to tell you that I can't because I don't enjoy disappointing people. But I also want that back, right? I want to know that I can call you and lean on you and that you'll be present and engaged. And if you're not, then you'll tell me that you can't. But you'll also tell me when you are able to. Right? Right. And I've had people in my life where it's just been about what can Melissa do for me, not necessarily this idea of friendship Mm -hmm. that we give and care for one another. I always tell people I probably have five real, real friends. Mm -hmm. And at 44, I am okay with five real. Right. I'm okay be- with
0: that at 24 so
1: because <laughs> what we have as friendship mm-hmm. is so deep and so real I can't imagine how I would have that recreated mm. at this point in my life because it takes time to build relationships yes, and trust with people that's right, not something right. that just you wake up and you have it right it's something that has to be agreed upon mm-hmm. between two people and that you remain committed to that friendship i moved here alone I don't have any friends in this state. I know no one in Iowa except everybody that's here at the University of Iowa, so I do know you. "Um, Um, (laughs) But if it were not for my friends who live all across the country, checking in with me, sending me random texts in the middle of the day that just make me laugh because they know it's going to be one of those days because I told them the day before, today's probably not going to go well, and so (laughs) we probably need to talk. But those are the people that keep me grounded mm. and that I can call on the way home and say let me tell you what happened and they say okay that was a moment you've got tomorrow
0: mm-hmm.
1: some people did not mm. that's humbling for me there are people you have to let go Yeah, they're not always for you
0: no yeah, and, and, and with that how do you how do you like grapple with that and also like how do you grapple when someone doesn't understand your vision Mm. I'm I'm just coming. I'm just like hitting you. I guess this was not in an email
1: that you sent. me Yes, it was. was. I didn't say it. (laughs) I did not say that question. I must have hit it deep down. I guess way down. It's like the last question. Um, (laughs) This sounds so terrible. No. Um, I try to surround myself with authentic and real people. Mm. My mom told me I have a very strong spirit of discernment and that I can read people in about two minutes. I'll be honest. Um, We're getting ready to have candidate interviews for a position, and somebody said, do you need an hour? I'm like, no. Mm -mm. We do not need an hour together. (laughs) Um, Not because I don't want to. I'm sure they're great people, but it will take me a very short period of time to know whether or not this is a person for our team and for our students. Mm. And I rely very heavily on my instincts and my ability to discern good and authentic people. I only surround myself with those people. Um, And that's been a conscious decision since I've gotten older. Mm. Because those people also will be candid and honest with me about what's working well, Melissa, and what's not. Like that face in that meeting? No right or no that never needs to show up again um, or that person that says you had a really bad day and I could feel it in the room that you were not yourself mm-hmm. and then they send flowers the next day
0: Aww.
1: as a point of you got this you can keep going And that's all they had to do. We didn't have to talk about anything else. We didn't have to go into the details of what happened. But they just know. Those are the people that are going to lift you up and encourage you to keep going. I have a great friend who works at Western Carolina University. Her name is Jane. She has a longer name, but I won't. She doesn't know I'm doing this, so I better not put her out there. (laughs) Um, But she is one of the best human beings that I think I've ever had an opportunity to be in friendship with. Jane will call, she's probably calling right now because she hasn't heard from me in two weeks and just say, I just wanna make sure that you're okay. Or if there's anything that you need from me, I will be there. When I lived in Tennessee and I had a really bad day, she drove from North Carolina, left her husband at his basketball game, (laughs) drove to Tennessee just to visit with me, as my mom says, to lay eyes on you, Mm -hmm. right? To make sure that you are doing okay. Those are the people that you look to to offer you support. Those are the people that will be there with you through thick and thin. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that you ride with, A student mm-hmm. say to me. Who you ride with, Dr. Shivers? I'm like, I don't know. i <laughs> myself. Um, I'm 44. I'm still learning what ride with you mean. But, I mean, it's, it's those relationships. I mean, I can name those people right. from you. I can name them. And there's not ten. There's legitimately five. Those are my people.
0: I mean, when you have a smaller circle, there's less people to please.
1: Yes.
0: And I can't even own that. I'm going to give credit to my boyfriend right there. He says it all the time. he would be like, mm. you know I'm not around all these people because that's too many people to please or, like, things like that. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I
1: guess it's that's so true. That's
0: right. But Yeah. Um,
1: and you want to be around people that you can be you. Yeah. Like, I love being around people that don't care that I'm Dr. Shivers, who could care less that I'm a VP. They want to talk about the football game. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about our brackets, right? They Mm -hmm. don't care about my work. Oh, sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't care. And I enjoy that because they allow me to just be me. And I try to still just be me at work. Mm -hmm. I do. When you come by my office, we're going to, you've done it. Lance done it. Like, I'm just me. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that I know how to operate. And those are the kind of people that I need to be around are those authentic, genuine, caring people.
0: I think it's awesome that you operate that way because when I first met you, you came and you had just got here and you gave the welcoming speak to the Iowa Edge students. Oh, yeah. And you had sent you had said that people, you just got here and people were asking you to take them out to lunch. And I did. And I said, well, okay, I'll do the same thing. And I did. <laughs> and, and we you, did. And you did. And we, we talked. And I think that's that's amazing and incredible. But what do you do to find time for yourself besides read like I love to read but as a student that's all I do so like Mm -hmm. what do you do for self-care in in this besides just
1: yeah Yeah. I'm not doing well with self-care if I'm being honest I mean I would love to say I do this I do this I do this that would not be true um, I go to the movies every Sunday. Um, that's become really, continues to be really important to me. I've been doing that since 2011. Um, every Sunday, if I miss, we got a problem. And the people on Monday know at work, they're like, did you go to the movies? I'm like, nope. They're like, oh, um, it's going to be a day. Um, it's going to be a day. You're right. Um, but I, I, I find myself in the first year of this job, um, I've immersed myself in it. Mm -hmm. I've immersed myself in the culture, in the work, in the institution, in wanting to make things great and better for that student that looked at me and said, we need you here. Every day I think about how can I be better? How can I do more? And not more for me, Mm. but more for other people. So I've got to somehow start to work through this idea that I can only be good for others if I've been good to myself. I know that. I've read all the books that tell me that. <laughs> I've read them all. I can list them for you. But in terms of operationalizing that and really doing that for me, I haven't done a good job with that. And I keep saying maybe after this first year I'll, I'll be better. Um, I don't know.
0: Well, you're gonna have to be because we need you here. So, no pressure. You know, we, need, we need to get you some rest. Um, you know, take a nap. Get you in the movies
1: for a week straight. Something that would be you're gonna, great.
0: Uh, everyone will. I we'll go come see up Black with
1: with a, Panther three more times. Yes, that would we'll we'll be
0: We'll come awesome. up with a week that no one emails you, and we'll just oh, let me know. We'll, we'll schedule. Happens. I'll work it out. I'll yeah,
1: do it. you do that.
0: <laughs> um, and so even. You said you wanna do things for others, which is awesome. And so as a first black woman in this role, do you feel extra pressure to yeah, pressure to perform a certain way? And then how do you handle any criticism that may not be constructive? And that was in the email. I see you looking at me.
1: <laughs> <sighs> I think I've always felt like that I have to do and be more. Mm. And being in this position, the limelight is definitely on me. Not just because I'm a VP, but I do believe as being a woman of color. The expectation is just different. I can't point to the why. Um, The criticisms are different. I'm much more thoughtful about how I angle my face in meetings because I don't want to be misread. Um, I don't want to be labeled as angry. Mm. Um, because um, there's some, like my mom says, there's bass in your voice. You need to take that bass <laughs> out of your voice. I'm like, you gave me this voice. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> it's um, yeah. That Those are things that I have to consciously think about that I don't know that other people do. I can't say that they don't
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I can say that I do. Mm. And when people misread a wandering face or an inquisitive face and it becomes something different, that's really discouraging and hard. I'll be honest, that's hard because I'm a passionate person. Anyway, so I'm going to use my hands, I'm going to be expressive, but it's not in a way of being attacking or even trying to be scary which is the term that really kind of drives me bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm you just have to think about how you show up differently Mm. and I don't know that that's any person's fault I just think that society has painted this picture of who we are supposed to be Mm. rarely giving us permission to be just exactly who we are does that make sense? Oh so I, I worry after meetings about how did I say that? how did they hear that? um because I don't want to be mislabeled or misunderstood, mm. right? Like, I'll be, I'll be honest, I was, I was like, oh gosh, you're talking about me being the first black vice president for student life and the first black woman, actually, vice president, because there was a black man, two black men, I think, that were vice presidents for student life here at Iowa, but as a woman, that identity, those two identities, being a woman and black, are my two most salient identities. So I'm doubly aware of how I show up in spaces. Because I can't take this off. When I walk in a room, you kind of know, right? Like she's, yeah, right? She identifies as a woman. She looks brown. She probably is brown. So, <laughs> she's a black woman. So, like, I, I'm so conscious of that. And it's not about being at Iowa. Mm-hmm. It's just in general. When I walk into the grocery store, I know that I am, I'm reminded right? that I am a woman of color. Um, when I'm in with my counterparts and they don't look like me, I'm more strategic and intentional about what I say mm. and what I do. And I also don't want to disappoint brown people. Because I feel like I'm representing in a way that I knew I would be. Right? Mm-hmm. But you don't want the expectations to be so high right? because I'm also human. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be bad days. It's not personal. I promise you. It's not personal. I enjoy every single person in this room. But if you see me walking down the hallway and I don't stop and smile and hug, it's not about you. It's There's something else happening. Does that make sense? But it feels like you always have to kind of explain the why. (laughs)
0: happen so. This is, I think everyone understands that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not alone in that one.
1: It's the two identities that I'm the most proud of mm-hmm. but they're also the two identities that I feel like I defend the most. Ooh. Not my PhD. People get that one. Um. But these I'm not quite sure. Mm. Does that answer your question? It does.
0: You do. You like I said, you're, you're good at this. So yeah. you've been trained. Um, <laughs> no, I'm used to being on that side. I, we can swap any, at any time. Um, so you mentioned about what society has wants us to be and what they say we should be. And so we've also been conditioned as black women, or as women in general, that we can have it all, right? Like you can, you can have this, you can have that, you can have it all. What do you do when your all looks different from that?
1: My all definitely looks different. <laughs> I mean, it does. I'm 44 and I have made an unconscious decision, quite frankly, some conscious, some unconscious, to be married and not have kids. I never thought I would be unmarried without kids. This is like a new normal, right? And a part of it is I've made structured and intentional decisions about my career. And I didn't always put the personal desires... Mm. They were not always as important as the career. Mm -hmm. And now looking back on that, being 44 and not married and not with kids... Where there are places in my life where I could have made different decisions and I could have had it all. I can't regret that. That's where I am. But I think that it can be hard, it was hard for me, to see a path forward for all three of those to converge. Mm-hmm. For being a wife, being a mother, being a professional. It's done every day. I'm sure there are people in this room that have done it and done it well. I just made a conscious, unconscious decision with my professional choices that impacted my ability to do that personally. But
0: you have your all. Does that
1: make Um, sense? I don't know. Well, yes, I have my all professionally. Mm. I don't know that I have my all personally. Mm -hmm. Because those are still things that are important to me but now how do, you make, how do you move them back up to the top, right? When you've, you've made it here, like where else do you go? I know that's one of the questions. Um, where do you go? <laughs> I remember that question. Um, I'm just gonna jump right in, Joy. Um, where do you go when you've gone here yeah. professionally? And people ask, do you wanna be a president? No. <laughs> I like this work. No, no. I, I mean, that's just different work. Those people that choose to be presidents are amazing people who have a skill set that I don't have. Mm. But who are you all laughing at? <laughs> Charlotte. Um, but I I want to, I still want those other things personally. I just don't know how to move them up into the the top priority.
0: I wasn't going to go there, but since you did. Um,
1: <laughs> yes, oh she was. It was a question. But I took head.
0: it off. I said, oh. okay, I okay,
1: took it out. Okay. Go see ahead.
0: see now she's trying to put me out there. I didn't I, I grappled with that I, I grappled with asking a question about that because I don't think I'd ask a man that so I didn't want to you know what I mean like I wouldn't I'm intrigued because I'm my grandma asking me where her great grandkids are and she asked me that right after I graduated undergrad and I was single I was like oh, can you find me? like what is happening here so like I just was curious personally like uh-huh. how do you have these conversations being southern you know oh yeah I, people my family look oh, yeah. and I'm the youngest and my older sister she has her PhD she's single She's works uh-huh. for Mayo Clinic she has what she wants and I graduated mom is like tick tock where they at uh-huh. um and so like I, and <laughs> <TikTok>. <laughs> Like she's like i'm 80 we <laughs> gotta keep it on you know um <laughs> times are ticking but so but i i, I personally wanted to know <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm back okay <laughs> personally wanted to know but I took it like I said I didn't want to ask
1: because I don't think I would ask a man that because well, I, I gave it to you so you didn't even have you to did, ask so you but
0: I'm like, I feel a little guilty because it was in my brain I guilty. Um, so like how do you like? What do you say? Like,
1: mind your business. That's what I say. But like, how do you say that professionally? Well, like my mom. My mom has two grandchildren that my sister gifted her with, oh, so cool she then. does not ask me. Oh, there you go. That is not in her. Yeah, no, she didn't ask me for that. Thank goodness that my sister managed that for everybody. But um, so <laughs> that's not a lot of pressure. But she <laughs> worries about me being here alone. Mm. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I don't think it's necessarily about I need you married today. I just don't want you alone. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. And that still is pressure because I'm like I don't want to be alone either. Let's be clear. (laughs) This is not what we signed up for. Um, But I guess we did sign up for it. But like I get it. But I don't know how to make that man magically appear. i do right and. Anyway, let's keep going because we're going we're gonna to go into like, some Oprah Ayanna Van Zandt business. You know, and we I will do that. not
0: fix your life. You, you will, will not fix my life. Not, yeah, you
1: will not do not that. It's not any better. So, um, I
0: mm. um. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that, guys. Um. Oof, trying to bring it back there. Because you've taken it to church with every answer, I'm sorry. No, don't please don't apologize because you're speaking candid, and that was the whole point of this event. Because candid conversations are very important. Because I think that you are someone that I personally look up to, and I personally want like I want to be that amazing, right? But if I look at you and we never have these conversations, and I believe something, I might believe like your path was so easy, and then when I hit a bump, I'm like, well. Dr. Shivers, she made it Um, so like I think it's important that you're just being so super duper candid and amazing, anyway so what has been your most proud moment or what are you Mm. like super duper excited that you have done here at Iowa and what are you looking forward to do hopefully in your long tenure here
1: because we're not going to let you leave I don't know that I've done anything alone well okay so, I don't
0: with your team. What is something that you Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Um geesh, There's so many incredible things that I think we've been able to do. I think Catlett Hall was already built when I arrived, Mm -hmm. but it was certainly a monumental occasion for the University of Iowa to have that residence hall named after an African-American woman who for many years we'd said could not live on campus. So being a part of that and having that as a part of the division's legacy um, makes me really happy and proud. I think working with our students to create the Hawkeye Mealshare Program to help students with food insecurities. That was awesome. Um, that was the, the vision of the students and the staff who made that all happen. And I think to know that we've had over 4,000 meals donated to students if they are in need, they don't have to go hungry on our campus. Um, that makes me incredibly proud too. And honestly, the diverse speakers that have come to this campus, mm-hmm. I have been so impressed not only by the speakers, but by the diverse representation of people that come to programs like this that just want to hear other stories. That says a lot about the university and our commitment and why continuing to support higher education. This is my little plug. Um, <laughs> is important to do. Because otherwise we wouldn't have opportunities like those to hear from a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to hear about truly the genesis of the Me Too movement, Mm -hmm. not what they told us, right, or who claimed it first, but truly the woman who said, Me Too. Mm -hmm. And the reasoning behind that, that happened here. My friends in Georgia and Tennessee are like, Kareem came to Iowa? (laughs) like I'm pretty sure it was the first time here. Um, pretty sure of that. Um, but, but you know, like those are things that are huge for us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's just wonderful to be able to be a part of that. The services that we provide for students who've been affected by sexual assault, mm-hmm. the public way that we talk about our VAP, and the fact that we call it what it is and right. the support services that we offer. It's, it's just so many things. I could list something from every single department um, in the division that I'm incredibly proud of and grateful for.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so many things. But it's a team, it's not me.
0: Well, of course, you know. Yeah. You don't do anything. Well.
1: No. Um,
0: and so that kind of concludes
1: our serious questions there. Oh, good. Um. <laughs> Do you all have any questions? Well, I'm, oh, I'm, this is not my show. Look,
0: here you go. Just here. Take the questions. I'll <laughs> just...
1: whatever you want to do. I'm Nobody. sorry. <laughs> Out of control.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, So I have Fast Five for you. Okay. And then after the Fast Five, I am opening it up. To okay, the, good. To the people. To the people. Okay. okay. So, um, that's what you would like. Um, <laughs> show host. Okay. Ah! <laughs> fast Five. You yes. got to be quick. No, okay. No, like... Um, I can't I think. I I mean, it's called fast. Okay. I mean, if you can think fast. Okay, fine. got it. Favorite song right now. Right now, when doves cry by Prince. Okay, that's fair. That's a good one. <laughs> I was gonna judge if that wasn't. I know you were gonna saying. judge me. every knows <laughs> Prince. Favorite place to eat in Iowa City.
1: Oh. Right. <laughs>
0: Five, not slow
1: five. Well, I just ate at 126, so we'll go with that. Okay, there we go. Although it's probably not the favorite. Favorite character from Black Panther. <gasps> oh my gosh, what is her name? Okay, okay, oh, oh. oh no, I just
0: want to mess it up because those pressure. She was the
1: sister. Shuri. Shuri. Shuri, yes, she was powerful mm-hmm. and bad and funny. All right, Martin or Fresh Prince? Martin. Oh, yes, I appreciate that. Um, Fresh Prince is kind of dorky. <laughs> But Martin it was Martin. Yeah.
0: Martin. Okay, anyway. <laughs> all right. Do you own the box set? Let me find out. No.
1: Oh, I was. I need to. that in my life. I didn't know it was a thing. Okay. Yeah. Amazon. Right.
0: Okay. Um this kind of counts as two questions, but it's about your brackets. So who do you have? Winning? Who who do you have winning Michigan Loyola and who do you have winning uh, Villanova or Kansas?
1: Villanova's gonna win it all.
0: Yes, okay, oh, alright.
1: They've been. They're still hanging in there. I did not have Loyola Chicago, and none of you did either. <laughs> do not. You did not. You had them winning at all. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have Villanova, and then I have um, Connecticut women on the women's side. We didn't ask about that, but yeah. I did. Got to do the men and the women. Well,
0: I'm. If we're gonna be very honest. I'm a football person. Oh, so basketball. Um, Charlotte. Charlotte. Student life. See, that's what we do.
1: We're just so vocal.
0: Like, keeping up with like anything basketball, even oh. NBA wise, I just. Oh. I just I can't. So oh, I don't yeah. know anything that's happening. Oh, okay. When it comes to football. You
1: gotcha. know, catch okay. me in football season. Okay.
0: I'm ready. Check. Um. <laughs> And that's all the questions that I prepared and some questions that I didn't prepare. Um, (laughs) It's okay. And I wish I was taking notes because I feel like you just got my life together and maybe Um, when I get home I'll like do all the things I thought I was going to do that I've been putting off because of procrastination. But I wanted to open it up to